Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from OnShot.net. Unsanitised. A fine mess we've gotten ourselves into. Hello, hello, you're very welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education. This is Simon Lewis from Onshaw.net with another special episode around COVID-19. I think I have more special episodes than actual episodes of If I Were the Minister for Education. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, If I Were the Minister for Education uh, is a a podcast where I take one aspect of the education system and I would uh, and I try and tell you what I would do if I was the minister for education. Um, Over the last uh, nine months or so, I've been recording special episodes around COVID-19 where I have tried to analyse what's been going on in the primary education sector rather than the secondary education sector. And um, I've been, I suppose, trying to offer uh, advice on blended learning, on remote learning uh, in the meantime. Uh, I, uh, the next episode that I hope to produce over the next couple of days is going to be some advice on remote learning, uh, because as we've seen in the news, we've had another uh, setback for children returning uh, to school um, when uh, last night, uh, which was the 19th of January, um, very late on the nine o'clock news, the Department of Education announced that they would not be pressing ahead with a plan to partially reopen schools on the 19th, or sorry, on, the th- on this Thursday, which will be the 21st. Um, this was because of a number of things, um, but mainly that uh, the unions representing SNAs and teachers uh, were not satisfied that public health had convinced its members that it was safe uh, for schools to reopen uh, for uh, the staff or the children. Um Really, ultimately, uh, what I hope to do uh, in this podcast is to um, talk about why we're in the mess we're in right now. This is another setback, as I said, for everybody. Um, I um, Pre to recording this episode, I recorded my thoughts on Twitter on a very long-winded, I think, 26-part tweet. And I'm going to go through that. That's going to be the framework I'm going to use for this particular podcast. It's uh, slightly less scripted than usual. Um, I called it a garbled um, (laughs) sort of set of thoughts about um, the last couple of days. Um, And I suppose you could even call this uh, podcast episode uh, a bit garbled too, a little bit more verbose than normal. But anyway, hopefully it will pass a bit of time for you. Uh, It's just really my thoughts on where we're at, um, I suppose, on Wednesday, the 20th of January. Uh, I suppose as we nurse our hangover um, of the last uh, of the latest debacle uh, that's been going on about schools reopening. Hope you enjoy the episode. uh, So let's get on with it. Many of you would have uh, woken up this morning to hear Morning Ireland, where John Boyle and Norma Foley were speaking. Um, And uh, I was one of those people. And I guess, I suppose, if you were listening to Norma Foley, um, she was not a happy person this morning. And I I could see why um, after everything that happened last night. Um, I think... Uh, The government have basically reaped what they've sowed, as I've said, since I don't know how long ago, probably since March, really, um, that unfortunately, by not planning anything other than having their fingers crossed that everything will be fine, uh, this is a mess that has happened as a result. Unfortunately, it hasn't been aided by the fact that the very people she's been speaking to have let her down, too. Um, the leadership of the INTO, um, from what we can see, uh, from what we know, uh, is, have basically been telling her that they will absolutely follow public health advice. And that was the reason for any problems. And when she provided everything that the leadership um, had had asked for, they turned around at the 11th hour to quote her to basically say that actually they're not happy at all. Now, one would try and one would be wondering how did something like this happen? Um, how how has there been such confusion? Why are all these? Why are the Department of Education absolutely um, 
disgusted with the uh, INTO this morning. Why are um, why are the INTO uh, now saying that they aren't satisfied or they're not following public health advice? I decided last night I'd have a look at uh, where we stood um, on that uh, with a few garbled thoughts about this mess. Um, before I do, um, the Department of Education uh, released uh, a press release after I recorded my thoughts and um, I'm not going to read it all. You can find it on the Department of Education's press release page. It was the 19th of January 2021, a statement from the Department of Education. But it basically starts by saying the Minister for Education, Norma Foley, and the Minister for State for Special Education and Inclusion, Joseph Madigan, have confirmed that a phased return for school with special education needs to in-school learning on Thursday, the 21st of January, 1st of January, will regrettably not be possible owing to a lack of cooperation by key staff unions in the primary sector. Now, I mean, it goes on and on and on um, about how disappointed and um, how terrible the unions are. And um, I mean, ultimately, it's it's a rant. Um, I, I think that they they may regret um, posting because all it has done, uh, as someone has said, is added fuel to an already blazing fire. Um, I suppose why, what I did uh, last night was to try and come up with some thoughts about why this is the situation it is. Um, I don't want to, I, I, I don't think it's really useful um, because I did this in my last podcast to say whether it's safe or unsafe to open schools. I think it's pretty clear, um, really, to be honest with you, that, it, that you know, that that isn't uh, something that can um, that can just be said. You know, Norma Foley and Josefa Madigan will say it's safe. 98% of teachers are saying it's not safe. And NFED are fairly evasive in, in what they're saying. On one end, um, they're saying that schools should go back when it is safe to do so. But they've fallen short to actually say that it is now safe to do so. So really, um, what I wanted to do was just have a look uh, through why we are where we are. Um, if you are interested in my thoughts of whether it's safe or not, uh, I'd suggest you listen to my previous episode on this uh, topic where I suggest how we can actually find out if schools are safe or not. Um, and we need to we need to find a formula for doing so. So I'm, I, 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 basically that's the, uh, the where I'm at. Uh, I'm going to go through, um, I suppose, a summary of the, 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 this uh, Twitter thread that I, I published last night um, and uh, maybe discuss some of the comments that have come, come in. Um, the point of this uh, podcast episode is really to, I suppose, get, a, get a, a few thoughts together, ask more questions, find out how are we going to move on from, from here. Uh, this morning, there's a lot of hurt um and and as i said it was obvious there's no winners here um and to me i feel this comes down to leadership um and i don't mean from one particular place um i feel leadership from the people who are supposed to look out for um the children uh for the staff um for all of those people's families hasn't been there what happened in the last few days um was, um, I believe, um, uh, that a situation where the government decided to play politics and very divisive politics, where they took two very vulnerable groups um, and two very emotive groups and decided to um, throw them into a game of uh, divide and conquer. I'll talk a little more about that. Um Really, I mean, I suppose the, the government's only plan, uh, and I've said this so many times, um, and, and this is this, I think, is a fair statement. The government's only plan for schools to reopen safely has been to cross their fingers. Um, and as, as I constantly say, if you could sum up the, the entire plan of the government, um, it would be the fingers crossed emoji. There hasn't ever been a plan and there still isn't a plan for partially reopening schools of any kind for any um, number of children um, you know and that's that's something that, that may be missed here the only thing that's happened was three days bef uh, before the government wanted to open schools uh, and when I say three days I mean three working days a Friday night at nine o'clock gives three working days to schools uh, to reopen schools 
um, and making that announcement with no discussions and no provisions is not a plan. A plan requires time and it requires uh, discussions and it requires uh, support and help throwing a bunch of anybody into a school without giving any notice, proper notice for that to be planned for is not a plan. And the government need to, I mean, ultimately, my my first conclusion on all of this was the government need to come up with a proper plan to allow children come to school. We, we, this is this comes back to my uh, blended learning episode where I talked about, you know, a blended learning approach is where some children come to school and some children don't. And how do we plan for that? And there are so many variables when it comes to that. The government's plan of just throwing people into a place meant that there were a number of children that weren't going to get a full education. If you weren't seen as someone who had significant learning um, learning difficulties or a significant um, additional needs, uh, maybe you uh, were receiving, what I suppose, what used to be known as resource teaching or learning support. That would be gone, uh, according to the government's plan for reopening school, uh, for uh, partially reopening schools. There was no plan in place uh, for children who are on school support plans um, or um, I suppose getting a little bit of a boost um, from a support teacher coming into a, a classroom virtually or not. Uh, these teachers were all being redeployed into the school uh, to teach very small groups of children but uh, a larger group of children with additional uh, needs and maybe less significant additional needs would have been left high and dry. Now I, 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 I would actually of my own opinion think that I, I don't have a particular problem that teachers, uh, some teachers will come in uh, for small groups of children. But we need to make sure that no one, uh, who, who's going to lose out with any any kind of plan that's made. And we needed to have those questions asked and we needed them to be absorbed and we needed to make sure they're there. We also have to ask the question then of, of the adults who are being asked to come into the building to make sure that in the height of a, of, of, of a pandemic where cases are completely out of control, what do we need to do to ensure that they feel safe? Um, and, and simply saying schools are safe doesn't cut it. And the reason for that is from early on, it was very clear that the HSE figures on school transmissions were conservative uh, compared to other other figures that were collated by other groups. And I, when I say other groups, I'm including uh, Martina Bro's um, uh, Facebook group, which I, I know people will chortle or, or scoff at, uh, at and they still do for some reason. But over 100,000 people can't be wrong. Um, and when the HSE sent letters to parents or to schools, all that this group did was publish them. And it's interesting that these are cases that happened in school. Now, the trouble is the HSE figures were lower than the figures of what they said were, were, were school transmissions. So they were being very conservative, saying that many, many th- uh, th- um, transmissions they were putting them down as community transmissions rather than school transmissions. And the reasoning just doesn't cut it. It doesn't make sense. Um, and we've had too many stories uh, from school principals and from uh, schools saying, I had five cases of um, COVID-19 in my school before the HSE admitted that we did indeed have a school transmission rather than a community transmission. The first four were deemed to be community transmissions. So, I mean, already, you, you know, only 20% of that particular school's cases were considered school transmission, even though 100% of them actually happened to be. And this is where trust breaks down. And the trust in the figures deteriorated over time, really, particularly when schools had multiple cases and particularly when cases that were certainly school transmission were recorded by community transmission. So we lost a lot of uh, of trust uh, within the system, and that's um, and that was and and, and that's um, not to say that the figures were correct or incorrect because I don't know. I'm not public health, but the trust in those figures is so low that nobody really believes them, and that's a massive problem. And simply saying schools are safe, here are the figures that nobody believes you're never going to win with that. You're never going to get people's trust. And this, for me, comes down to trust all and, 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 and the lack of trust that's there. Um, in in terms of, uh, I mean, this this um, particular part of the, the, the tweet uh, kind of gained a bit of, a, I suppose, reaction. 
and uh, and not not all positive reactions. Some some uh, people uh, came back saying, "Well, you know, show your research that schools aren't safe." And and in fairness, you know, I I was I'm able to do that. I mean, there is research out there from from the UK, uh, even as of today when I'm recording that. That in the general population, teachers are now two times more like or one point nine to be exact more likely to contract. Uh, um, uh, COVID-19 as opposed to the general population and S classroom assistants which would be our SNAs I think I, I could be wrong on this number so uh, forgive me but I think uh, if I remember correctly seven times more likely to contract COVID-19 compared to the general population um, so I mean look that's one that's one view um, and one piece of research uh, looking at other pieces of research ISAG would also seem to be of the opinion that schools are certainly not safe until transmission uh, community transmissions are much lower and then you've got the other side uh, of it um, you know um, where the they say uh, where NFET or, or not NFET the HSC are saying that um, transmission levels are much lower in schools than they are in the general population and they quote uh, the figures that nobody trusts uh, yeah, you know, I am showing a bit of bias here, but, you know, I mean, it. the thing is, we need to have trust in the system. The thing was, and I suppose this is the problem, it was the attempt to spin doctor that schools are safe for the communities just didn't make sense. And I think this is what the problem is with the trust is, because schools themselves actually contain the same members of these communities. Um, and it just, it, logically, it doesn't make sense. Now, maybe it should make sense, but it just doesn't. But what it did then was, I suppose, we it ended up where we had this Comical Alley situation. I do, again, I, I don't know if any of you remember Comical Alley from the uh, last Iraqi war, where the uh, foreign minister was basically saying, there are no tanks in Baghdad, there are no tanks in Baghdad, as you could hear the tanks roaring into Baghdad. Um, and the thing is, you know, Norman Foda kept saying that schools by their nature are safe, schools are safe, schools are safe, even when the cases rose to really, I mean, ridiculously high levels. And even then, the mantra could have stopped. But unfortunately, the government left it too late. And now there is no way they could admit that it's no longer the case. So ultimately, they're stuck in a political problem that schools aren't, that they have to keep saying that schools are safe, um, even if nobody believes them. But when it became clear that schools were indeed not safe to open, because otherwise they would be open, I don't know why the Minister for Education last night didn't say, do you know, didn't stick it to the unions. I mean, the unions didn't say we're not letting anyone go back to school. The the Department of Education decided not to send children uh, back to school and are blaming the unions. But the unions, in fairness, I mean, uh, and I'm not defending them because I've absolutely no sympathy for them whatsoever here. Um, the the um, the Department of Education um, could have said it's safe, open open on Thursday, but they didn't. So to me, there's there's obviously. Um, a, 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 a realization that it can't be safe enough to open schools. Otherwise, we would have we would have been open on the sixth of January. We would have been open on the eleventh of January. We would be open on the twenty first of January if the minister really believed that it was safe. There is nobody saying to her at primary level that we will not go in. And in my opinion, there is a you know what I think they did rather than um, you know admit that schools okay weren't safe. They decided to play a really dangerous game of politics and instead of pausing even for a week or two just to wait till the numbers went down a bit like because they have gone down a lot. I mean they're not down enough but they're down a lot. The Department of Education picked the two most emotive groups to politicise leaving certain students and children with additional needs and in my opinion this was a deliberate attempt to weaponize vulnerable children, uh, vulnerable people against schools, against unions and worse against each other. So even within schools, even within unions, even within parent groups, there was a complete division um, between between them. There, you, if you talk to parent groups uh, representing children with additional needs, you'll have half of them saying that it's absolutely safe to go to school and we're all a disgrace. And then you'll have half of them saying, no, actually, it is not safe. I am not sending my children back into that. Um, and basically, um, you know, what's actually happened since the announcement uh, to partially reopen schools, I think is shameful. The weaponizing of people against each other. That's what happened. Um, and to me, it's important to note at this point, um, you know, that it would be OK if, you know, 
anything had progressed since August, but the Department of Education provided no further protections for staff or pupils um, since August. You know, there's there's still um, social distancing isn't happening. Masks for teacher um, really hasn't happened either. I mean, we provide our own, uh, and 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 again, they're not medical grade. Uh, class sizes aren't smaller. Ventilation systems aren't in place. We aren't testing all cases. Um, we're, we're doing very poor contact tracing, even now. We're not testing close contact. We're certainly not doing it now. Um, we're, um, what, what else are we not doing? I mean, there, I, I have a big list here, actually. If, uh, I, rather than going through the full list here, uh, because I can't see it on my screen. Hold on, I'll make it bigger. Um, uh, our uh, pupils and staff aren't being uh, tested before they return uh, to school um, uh, after breaks. Uh, is there regular testing happening in schools? No. Um, is there any social distancing? Well, no. Uh, are pupils wearing masks? No. Um, has the PPE has the PPE grant uh, covered all PPE needed? No. And in fact, it's been cut by forty percent. Uh, the cleaning uh, grant um, is still. Uh, while, while I, I would admit it is a lot better and our schools are quite clean, still a lot of the time teachers and SNAs are having to do a lot of the cleaning. Uh, cleaners are not, um, uh, do not have the capacity to be going into every classroom and cleaning down, uh, doing a full deep clean of classrooms. Um, absolutely no chance of that, uh, of that with the money we've got. Uh, so teachers and SNAs are still are doing that. Uh, are there extra temporary teachers to cover absences? Um, no. Absolutely not. Uh, there is a supply panel which uh, co- uh, which is is absolutely inadequate to cover needs, and it hasn't been increased. Um, there were no extra temporary SNAs to cover absences or helping with any kind of anything. We needed uh, to to stop uh, mixing bubbles. Um, any vaccinations? Uh, well, obviously, um, uh, you know that's a fairly emotive thing. Um, obviously, in August there was no talk of that. Now uh, at, uh, we're eleventh on the out of fifteen on the priority list. Um, that's an emotive thing. I don't know whether I think what it will give is confidence uh, to teachers and uh, SNAs to go back to school because they there is a less chance they will die if they go back to if they go back to work because the vaccination will stop them dying. It doesn't necessarily stop them transmitting the disease to pupils or people that haven't been vaccinated. And, um, you know, that, that, that I kind of feel that, 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 I mean, that was a good summary there by Marie de Berka, who tweeted that. And um, it, it's very interesting to note that. Uh, people wonder why teachers and SNA simply won't go into schools, given um, given a lot of things. And, and one of the things that, that, that seems to keep being mentioned, and the minister herself mentioned this, and I was actually a bit cross, uh, I have to admit, by this, because teachers are being told, you're an absolute disgrace not going to school. You've got to step up to the mark. And several tweets I received uh, in reply to this is, teachers need to step up, uh, go on the pub, blah, 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 if you don't want to go into work and so on. What what about doctors and nurses and supermarket workers and people, blah, 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 blah. Let me explain why. Because I think it's really, really important to explain why teachers are feel like it seems that teachers are unique and, you know, and, and that they're not going into the buildings when people in supermarkets, for example, are going into 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 their workplace. I want you to l- look at a supermarket worker. And this is the absolute most respect to supermarket workers. I believe anyone who is going into a frontline job or an essential job or a key worker job right now is a hero, absolute hero. And being being pitted against uh, uh, these heroes is not helpful. Um, however, um, if you work in a supermarket and you want to get the same level of protection as teachers are getting, okay? So let's Let's compare the amount of protection you are getting. What we would need to do is if you work in a supermarket at the cashier desk, we would need to remove all of your Perspex screens. So you would not be allowed to have your Perspex screens. You would not have a limit on the numbers of people coming into your store. Okay, and none of those people would be wearing masks. Okay, because that's what happens again in, in our place. There's also no, no ventilation. You'd have to switch off all the ventilation uh, that's in your supermarket, uh, but you would be allowed a, a small window open um, unless people got cold and then we'd have to close it. OK, and you will never, ever, ever, ever be allowed to be more than one metre away from other people. OK, that is what classrooms are like. Now, 
if you're in a supermarket and you had to remove all those sort of things, I think you would also be unhappy about coming into work because you know full well that you would definitely catch COVID-19 with those, with those variables out of place. You see, the difference is in other sectors, limits have been put on the number of people coming to your service. You're given um, PPE. Uh, you're only allowed to spend 15 minutes at a time with anyone that you're in close contact with and and so on and so on and so on. And many people have actually uh, shared images of their jobs uh, and, and what they have to do in, in sort of support of teachers' stances. Uh, the, the one was shared by ASD Creation Station. Uh, for those of you who haven't heard of ASD Creation Station, it's an Instagram account um, uh, where she, uh, she sells uh, resources um, for, uh, for to help children with autism. Um, a very successful uh, store. Um, but she uh, she uh, shared, uh, a, I think it was a speech and language therapist, and she shared a photograph of herself of what she has to do before she meets a client. Um, on, uh, and and uh, I'd suggest you look, look out for it there. It's, it's very, very interesting. But having said all of this, despite all this, there are many, many teachers and SNAs, even with these very poor levels of protection, who are actually willing to go into the, work, into the schools and work directly with children. And even now, despite the numbers, many are willing, even though they know it probably isn't safe for them to be there. I mean, seriously. You know, that is true. And we need to acknowledge that. This isn't, um, this isn't a case where every single teacher or every single SNA in the country is going, you know, if Josepha Madigan and, and, and Norma Foley had said you're, you're starting on Thursday, we would have gone in. You know, I mean, that's the fact. We would have gone in and we would have had to, you know, and do you know what? We would have been sitting in a lottery situation where some of us would have become sick. Some of us would end up in a hospital and you know what? Some of us would have died. And, and that is, the, that, unfortunately, that's the truth. And, you know, the, today we cannot say and yet, uh, this week we cannot say that nobody in Ireland working in the education sector has not died from COVID-19. Um, I don't want to go on too much about that out of respect for the family. Um, going back, I need to go back to the villains um, here because I, I feel I've become a bit bit, bit nice um, and, and I don't think I don't think I should. Um, and uh, and I, I, I just think, you know, while Norma Foley and Josepha Madigan have basically have moved uh, from a position of gaslighting teachers, uh, basically, and gaslighting uh, uh, school workers, they've now moved to chastising uh, us, you know, the, you know, and the very people they've been, they, they're supposed to be in partnership. I mean, they've actually come out basically telling the unions that they've been, that, that they're, that they're really disappointed in the unions. They're, they're, they're you know, and, um, and, you know, they, they, they've gone from being, I, I suppose, from disingenuously uh, saying how great we are and saying, Gurv Mahogut, Gurv Mahogut, remember Gurv Mahogut Day? Oh, you're so great. To basically effectively telling us we're disgraceful, you know, and, and, that, and today's press release essentially said that. But there have been others who have behaved very, very poorly. Now, I know um, I, I've got a bit of flack from, uh, uh, for, for doing this and I don't like singling out one particular person who's, who's advocating for uh, uh, children with additional needs. But Adam Harris, uh, who from As I Am, I feel has behaved extremely poorly over the, la uh, over the last few months, over the last months, I mean several months. I mean, this, hasn't, this isn't today or yesterday, but he's continued to trot out um, the same condemnation of schools and teachers Um uh, and not just in this case, but even back to when we were talking about um, inclusion in schools, when when uh, we had that madness uh, of uh, the the Brunswick model, where uh, you know, and sh uh, to talk about shortened days and all this kind of stuff, and Adam Harris consistently has been uh, misdirecting his anger at schools when he knows full well, full well, that the very people that he is representing and advocating for are not receiving the are not receiving the supports they need from the government i mean it's it's a, it's a i just can't understand how someone who should know better is throwing fuel onto a fire instead of actually trying to work with schools who actually are advocates themselves of children with additional needs we want to be i would like to be in school on thursday um 
And we could be. I mean, this is the most frustrating thing. We could be in school on Thursday if it weren't for people like Adam Harris, like Norma Foley, like Joseph Madigan, like, yes, John Boyle as well, who have been actually throwing, have been have actually been doing more damage to this cause than, um, than, than good. Um, I think what he's done... Uh, unfortunately, and uh, in his own uh, community, as he calls it, he calls it the, the uh, autism community, I feel he's created uh, divisions within his own community. And I do think his reputation is damaged um, at the moment to, 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 to a portion. Now, there are some people and they've uh, they've replied to me saying that they, 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 they think he was absolutely right to do what he's done and to be critical of schools. Um, and that's, you know, fair enough. But I think he's created a division there. I don't think he has 100 percent of the people with him. Uh, now, whereas I think many uh, months ago he may have had uh, more people with him. Adam Harris needs to redirect his anger at the right people. And unfortunately, the right people, you know, he, he has relatives uh, within those right people. You know, really, when this comes down to it, really, ultimately, if we are apportioning blame to anybody, um, it's not what's happened in the last couple of weeks. It's been what's been happening since um, May, really, when uh, plans like this should have been put in place and weren't. But also the leadership of the INTO, as we now know, um, also have nothing to be proud of. In fact, they had to have an emergency intervention from its own members, its own CEC representatives. Um, what we know now is that the CEC representatives had to fight for two days with the leadership of the INTO to put a stop to whatever was going on. And even as I'm speaking, I think that still goes on. Isn't it amazing that the CEC reps, so these are the people that represent ordinary members, uh, had, to had to stand up against their, you know, their own leaders to basically say, listen, you are not listening to the people on the ground. The people on the ground are not happy. We need to do something. And they didn't listen uh, and continued not to listen until it was until the 11th hour. No wonder Norma Foley was disappointed in John Boyle this morning. I mean, he had made her promises and he broke them because he was not listening to his members. And it took an intervention Um Soprano style, I would imagine, uh, to get that um, to get that in place. Look, I think the leadership now of the INTO is severely weakened as a result. Um, their own members are now awake. Uh, they have woken. Is that is that something that's woke? I don't know. I'm too old uh, to understand what woke means. Uh, but anyway, they have seen themselves garner some power, um, and that power uh, happened over social media. In less than twenty four hours of trying to organise this intervention. Um, they, uh, the Voice for Teachers through GLORE, who are a grassroots INTO members group, uh, try to organise uh, for people to come together um, to, to, to find out what they could do to, 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 uh, to make their voices heard to uh, the, the heads of the union. And then with less than 24 hours notice, three and a half thousand ordinary members gathered virtually on a Sunday evening to tell their leadership enough is enough. Um, after that, um, they uh, they suppose they I suppose obviously I, I don't know um, garnered by that success. Um, they they gave fifty minutes notice, <laughs> uh, or maybe less than an hour's notice uh, to um, to teachers to sign a petition um, to ask the leadership to to start representing their views. And in less than 50 minutes, over 1,000 teachers signed that petition. And within four or five hours, over 5,000 teachers had signed the petition. Will it give grassroots members of the INTO new tools to take over what I call the INTO now a theocracy or theocracy? It remains to be seen. Will, after this, they go back to their usual, to the apathy that we've, that has, I suppose, damaged our profession for the last decade? Or will this moment be the beginning of something? I don't know. I don't know. Having said that, all of this could have been avoided. All of this mess, the Norma Foley mess, the Josefa Madigan mess. And I mean, I just, just, just to, Josefa Madigan, not only did she call children um, who are not, uh, who do not have additional needs, or neurotypically developing children. Not only did she call uh, call them normal, therefore inferring that children w who are not neurotypically developing um, are, are abnormal. Today she decided to compare all this to the mother and baby home scandal. I mean, it, it's how how many faux pas can one make before 
they have to they have to step aside. I mean, uh, how many apolo- I mean, you can't go around saying this. And and what it is, I mean, even even saying these things a couple of times, you know, it plants seeds in people's heads, dangerous seeds. And comparing teachers not going back to school for fear of their safety to the abuse, to the systematic abuse that the church imposed on vulnerable, very, very vulnerable um, young women and their babies. It's, 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 a, it's not even baffling. It's shocking. It's shocking to do something like that. And, and that she wouldn't have just said that as a, you know, as a thoughtless kind of, uh, you know, slip of the tongue. You know, it, it, this was something she... She, she believed at the time and, and when it didn't go down well I don't know if she's apologised really I, I saw something on the doll record there that she uh, wanted to take back some of the things she said and she, I, I just don't I don't know I don't know it's it's been terrible but I mean apart from Nora Foley and Josefa Madigan we have uh, the INTO leadership we have Adam Harris all creating divisions within their communities and it all could have been avoided. We could have had a situation where partial reopening could have happened. And all it would have needed was just proper planning and adequate time for that planning to happen. It's amazing that it could have been, as, as Alan Hines, who's the um, uh, uh, acting director of the, of, of uh, the, geez, um, I've lost, I've lost what he is, I've forgotten. It's, it's basically the the uh, CPSMA of the of, of Munster, more or less, is probably what I what I can probably call it. Um, uh, Saint Sennans, that's the one. He's the acting director of Saint Sennans. He said it all could have been so different with proper prior planning and respectful engagement with stakeholders. Um, and you know, it, it sums it up very well. That's it could have been avoided, and unfortunately, it wasn't. And that's why we are where we are. We have a situation where most people in the profession do not believe that it is safe to go back to schools. Most people do not believe that it is safe to go back to schools and we know that all of the uh, the, 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 the government uh, officials are saying it is safe to go back to schools. And what we actually need now is an independent metric of how so safe schools are depending on a number of variables. And I went through this in my previous episode. Sort of like, what can open, depending on what level we're at? At the moment, at levels 1, 2, 3, 4 and 5, schools are supposed to open fully. Now, it's level 5 right now, and it's extreme level 5. It's almost level 5 plus, um, or whatever. It's level 10, I'd, I'd nearly say. You know, it's, it's things are unprecedented. This level 5 is very different to the level 5 before Christmas. And, you know, the thing is, um, we need to have um, a proper planned um, partial reopening, depending on the levels of the virus and the transmission levels or the R rate. And we have to decide what they are. Other jurisdictions have done this. And I run through all these variables, as I said, in the podcast, uh, my previous episode. I won't go on about it because I know I'm going on fairly long. I don't know how long I'm on here now. I'm nearly 40 minutes. Um. If we do partially open schools, we need to ensure that no children are left behind. I mentioned this earlier. And the rush letter that was sent out last Friday left huge gaps where many children received no support from um, special education teachers. And any partial reopening means that if we move in, uh, that we, any partial reopening means we do move into that world of blended learning, which I went on about. So in other words, who comes to school and who gets remote learning? And there are a number of competing variables for this. Like some, uh, some of these are very straightforward like children in special classes, uh, children in special schools, uh, children who are on school support plus programs, children in junior infants, children with SNA access and so on. Because either you fall into that category or you don't. However, when you widen out the variables, and unfortunately the Friday uh, missive, uh, shall we call it, just said, just do whatever you're having yourself. You know, they said, put in school support plus, put in uh, children in special classes and special schools. And then if you have space, Sure, whatever you're having yourself, it becomes very, very complicated for everybody to decide who comes to school and who doesn't. And therefore, we need very good guidelines and they need to be produced to ensure that the right decisions are made by schools. And nothing like this has even started to be produced. And that's the fact. The time to start this was August, as we all know. But because it's not possible, because it's no longer August, the time to start is now. Right now, yesterday, the day before, we need to start it now. Otherwise, we're going to continue with this standoff, this mess 
until cases are down to some arbitrary number that everybody finally agrees is the right number and basically everyone has fallen out with each other in the meantime. Right now, nobody is loving each other right now. Nobody is working together anymore. And we're eventually going to reach a particular number, we don't know what that number is, where it'll become ridiculous not to go back to school, let's say, because the numbers will be low, will be as low as they were the last time we were in school, maybe. But we, in the meantime, we need an independent definition of safe and the levels of it. And we need well thought out guidelines about the impact of these levels. We then need time for them to be implemented. And we've wasted two weeks already toing and froing, and no one is back in the school building, except except some teachers getting their stuff to go back or collecting books and things like that. But the children, no children are back in the school building and we have wasted the last two weeks. And ultimately, everyone has lost, especially the children. And if we're putting any blame on anyone, it shouldn't be too hard to know where I stand, okay, fair enough. So much damage has been done and we need to listen to the people that have the answers. There are people out there that have had the answers. What we have been doing for the last I don't know, six months or so, was Norma Foley and Joan McHugh before him, before her were sitting around a room with people that were simply yes people. They were saying, yes, 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 we'll do this, we'll do that. And rushing and blustering and not knowing what they were doing because none of them work in classrooms anymore. They, and that's not the only reason. The, 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 I mean, because I, I, I find it very annoying when people say, well, you're not working in a classroom, you don't know what you're talking about. But they weren't asking the people that were in the classrooms, what they felt. They were making decisions without consulting with the very people it was going to affect. It was, it, and it was a mess. And this was a problem for the last six months, for more than six months, that people were not being asked who were being affected by the very decisions. And groups that have been collecting this information were being completely absolutely ignored. Um, I, I, I'm part of a group called the National Principles Forum and they came up with a very good plan in June for reopening schools. It took, it was completely ignored by the, uh, by the stakeholders, not because it wasn't a good plan, but because it was from the National Principles Forum who they've decided they want, they blank, they ignore their existence. And this is not a group of, of, of maniacs. Um, although some would accuse us of being made, I'm only joking. You know, the thing is, this is a group of practicing school principals who, who don't necessarily agree on everything, but they all agreed that they needed to come up with a plan for reopening schools. And the, and the people that were in that group, they didn't just write down a big thing, a big, a big list. What they did was what the, what the, what the unions and what the state and the IPP and all the various stakeholders should have done. They asked their members, what do you need to be safe coming into school? And they answered those questions. They went through hundreds of responses, hundreds of responses uh, that were given by schools. And they collated them into a large list of here are the things we need to ensure that we are safe in schools. And it was a really good document and it was completely ignored. Even when we started reopening, when we reopened, the National Principles Forum came up with suggestions about um, about many, many areas around the curriculum, around the guidelines that were coming out and completely ignored. Children with additional needs, um, the, the National Principles Forum have produced several documents around uh, inclusion and again, completely ignored. These are not a group of people that have just made up stuff on their own. They have gone out and they have asked school leaders uh, exactly what they need, exactly what they want, and they've been ignored. I'm not just, I'm picking that one group because I know them best, but other groups have done the same thing. Glore have obviously in the last week really come to the forefront around asking um, uh, teachers about what they need, what they want. I know Force have been extremely good with SNAs, asking them about what they need and what they want. And I know there's groups representing SNAs uh, outside of that who've asked their, their members. But they, th this is the thing. The answers are all out there. They're there and they need to be, um, they need to be acknowledged, number one, but they need to be listened to. It, it, it's shocking to me that a small number of people have, uh, have not asked their members, what do you need? You know, they have basically second guessed what they need. And we're doing, and this didn't start today or yesterday. This has been going on for well over a decade and we know that. And ultimately, everyone has lost, especially the children, especially the children. You know, the thing is, they're not here with us, you know, and that is a shocking shame. It's awful. And from the beginning, you know, 
as I said, the people who have now been christened by Norman Foley as the partners have failed in their duty to listen to their members. Um, there are now a number of grassroots groups, lobby groups, um, who are now exist, who shouldn't need to exist. Engagement is really easy, as we've seen over the last few days from the grassroots members. It's quick and it could be done in days. I think we could solve, salvage this situation still. A lot of hurt has happened. Um, nobody has coded themselves in glory um, in terms of the decision makers. And it has gone to ridiculous levels. Um, as Egan O'Reardon uh, from the Labour Party said, this has now spiralled completely out of control. Um, you know, he said the Taoiseach has to intervene here before more damage is done. And I'd agree with him. Um, and Aidan Aidan and I don't agree uh, uh, on on some issues, uh, but I think he's been excellent in fairness to him over the last few weeks in being a, a balanced voice uh, and not um, playing politics. I think he, as a as a former school principal, uh, understands that teachers, SNAs, and anyone working in a school want to get back to their school buildings. They he knows, and we all know remote learning is not the answer. But how do we get there from where we are now? I think now is, uh, and now is the, the time we have to start that. Um, we need to get a definition, an independent definition of what is safe. What, how, you know, we can't base safe on, you know, bastardized figures, um, old figures, old numbers, um, unscientific data. We actually now need to bring in the scientists. And ISAG, um, are a group of independent scientists who will give you the figures. Uh, they have their opinions uh, about uh, about getting to zero COVID, but they do have the figures of of what 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 what's happening right now. Um, and and we need just pure pure raw data that we can analyze and make decisions on that and be very clear on it. We need to know what happens when the R rate is less than one. We need to uh, know what happens when cases are at a particular, uh, you know, figure. We need to know how many hospital places there are a spare just in case people who are in schools have to go into hospital. And if there are not enough places for these people, then why would you uh, open up these uh, these places while the situation is going? And it doesn't even have to be something that's long term. This could be something that's decided on a week-to-week basis. If you look in other countries where they have a zero COVID kind of thing, so like Australia or New Zealand, if there is a single case in a, in a particular city, they lock the city down for a few days, you know, and, and then they, re, you know, and they gradually reopen it. They'd make decisions based on variables that change day by day. And we have to be able to do that. Um, we have to make these really, really um important decisions because otherwise nobody's going back to school at the moment that's where we are right now we are at, at we're in this situation so ultimately we need to start that 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 making sure that we have a uh, independent definition of of how safe it is for people to enter school buildings and what and and then a range of measures depending on that variable is it safe for everybody to go back is it safe for a partial reopening if it's safe for a partial reopening what are the variables that need to be in place for the for for the for that for 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 the different cohorts of children that will come in? Um, do we only open it up to children in special classes? Do we open it up to children who have need school support programs? Do we open it up to children in disadvantaged uh, communities? Do we open it up to infants? Do we open you know all the various questions that we have to ask ourselves? And ultimately, that's um, you know needs to be planned very well. Then we have to ask the question of what do schools need uh, in terms of resourcing? They need PPE, medical grade PPE, obviously. They need um, proper ventilation. And whether that's opening windows or whether that's proper ventilation, um, you know, devices in the rooms, you just have to give what people need. I know it's going to be expensive, but you have to do that. We have to ask whether giving vaccinations to teachers and SNAs is something that needs to be done. Whether or not it is effective um, may be less important than whether or not it gives confidence to teachers and SNAs to go back to their buildings. So these are all these questions that just have to be answered. And it's not going to happen very quickly. And that's the problem. We've wasted two weeks. How about we start now? 
uh, uh, answering those questions and build up that plan over the couple of weeks. Everyone goes back to sit together. Everyone asks their various um, agencies, uh, you know, the Department of Education go back and they find out um, from NFED or from the various groups what they need to do there. The INTO, the IPPN, all those kind of people ask their members what they need to feel safe in in the context just ask the right questions adam harris and all the gangs who are uh, representing uh um, families with uh, with with uh, children of additional needs they need to ask their families what is it that they need um you know i mean at the end of the day they don't just need school they also need the services that have been pulled uh, from them all the therapies schools do not provide therapies we need if schools are going back we also have to ask the question about occupational therapists speech and language therapists and all the various other uh, therapies that uh, that are needed and they need to get back to face-to-face uh, sort of stuff. we also need to look at respite we need to open that up and make sure that that's happening because that might be something else that uh, that, that that children need and we need to make sure that these are happening so look i don't know i'm that's, uh, I suppose, a summary of my thoughts. Uh, we're moving uh, close to the hour mark here. Um, and um, I hope, you know, I mean, usually I try to add a bit of humour to my episodes, even in the darkest of, uh, of um, episodes. But we really are at the lowest point in this pandemic when it comes to schools. Um, nobody is happy. Uh, so many people are hurt. Um, there's divisions in every single um, category, whether it's between politicians, whether it's between INTO members, whether it's between force members, whether it's families uh, with with uh, children with additional needs, entire communities. We, this has all been um, this has all been caused by the last number of weeks of pure uh, weaponizing of all the vulnerable groups out there, and we need to stop, and we need to start again. We need to start again in some way, and 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 say, look, do you know what? This is a disaster. This is a mess. And we need to get back to the table again and do it properly this time.